All right, welcome to Cultivate NYC podcast. I'm Luke Calvert, the spiritual development pastor here at Cultivate NYC. And this podcast exists to serve the church, grow the disciple, and help us engage culture for the gospel. If you want to know more about Cultivate NYC, head over to CultivateNYC.com. There you'll find events, what we have coming up, and how to get more involved with our church. If you want to follow us on social media, you can go to Cultivate underscore NYC on all platforms. All right, welcome to the podcast. Today I am joined by Robin Carabin. He is our community engagement pastor. Robin, how are you doing? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Can I complain? Uh, we have two talkers on today's podcast, so uh, <laughs> buckle in. But we Speak are for yourself. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. We are super excited about today's podcast, talking about community engagement. Uh, but before we do that, Robin, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got here. Um, give us the the decade in in a, in a minute or something. Okay, in a minute or something. <laughs> tough. You tell a pastor in a minute or something, you get about 10 minutes of content. Probably. Um, yeah, my name is Robin Carabin. I am originally from Switzerland. I grew up in Switzerland. I came to New York City in 2011 uh, to do an internship at Metro World Child, a ministry, and came for three months and really felt like on my heart that I should come back and give myself to this. When I came to New York City, I just came from serving in the army and I was just loving the hands on. And so I saw that this really urban ministry was something that I loved to some extent, but that I saw it made a difference. And I felt like I could give myself to this for two years. And then I decided to come back on staff um, thinking I was going to be here for two years, the moment I landed, I just knew. I'm not saying I heard the Lord's voice audibly. I did not, but I something. I just knew this is not going to be a two year stint. Mm. Um, ended up getting involved in the West Harlem community, building relationships, and after two years, I was really in my mind. I was like, okay, are you really just going to leave this? You love it. You made so many amazing connections and relationships and the people love you. You love them. And and you're just getting I knew I was just getting started. Mm. I knew that if I would just stay and not because I'm awesome or know so many things. I mean, my English was horrible, but if I would just stick with it, I would see people grow up and hopefully know the Lord and not leave again open a hole for then the next person to come in and do this whole reconnecting and stuff. And so I got a, the right visa, ended up applying for my green card, met Jess, my wife. We did this together for several years before she started leading her own team um, and then started dating, got married two years ago. Now we live in the West Harlem community. We have a son, Nathan, that is... Uh, about four months old. Yeah, so that's kind of full circle. Mm, I love it. Well, Robin, I wanted you to know that um, even before we get into this content, that, that I have gotten to see from afar and then now over the last six months kind of up close what you and Jess have given your life to. Uh, and I truly respect you for that. The engagement that you guys are doing um, is incredible. And I remember telling Charles, we have to have this guy on our team. 
because I truly believed in the authentic community engagement in which you guys were engaging. I saw the gospel impact. I saw the, you know, eight-year-old who's now 18 years old, and they've known Robin and Jess for that stint of time. They've grown in their relationship with Jesus because of it. And so uh, I respect that. I love being a part of it. I love being a part of it. And I want our church to know throughout the rest of this podcast why we engage a community and how you know, you specifically are going to be leading that charge for our church. And so um, I really appreciate all that you do, and um, I appreciate you coming on our team. So speaking of that, speaking of community engagement, all the things you've kind of given your life to and what you'll be uh, leading our church in that charge of as the community engagement pastor here at Cultivate, begin with a a gospel-centered, that's kind of the first part of this is a gospel-centered community engagement. What does it mean to have a gospel-centered perspective when it comes to engaging the community. Because I think, you know, there's many other organizations, there's many other religions even, that care for community. Christians aren't the only people who care for community uh, or their community. But there's a different component. There's a different depth. There's a different side to community engagement when it comes from a gospel-centered standpoint. So speak into that. What is the beginning of gospel-centered community engagement in our community? Well, gospel-centered means Jesus-centered. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we have the difference to secular mm. community engagement. And I'm not saying that most secular organizations or businesses only engage the community for their own benefit. I'm not saying that because they truly care and want to see change. I'm not saying they only want to have tax write-offs. But I think it can be, in our society, a little bit of a self-serving action to serve the community because we can then kind of um, assimilate with our political views as like a secular organization or we can check a box off on our mission statement Mm. or whatever and, you know, we can be looked at as, oh, they're giving back. And so this is all good. There's nothing wrong with that and... and, and we want to link arms there, but I think on a gospel-centered, um, through a gospel-centered lens, Jesus is really the difference there. Mm. We believe that Good. Jesus came, and in John 1.14, the message translation says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Other translation says, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus came The word is Jesus, the incarnation of Christ. Jesus came and lived in this world in a local setting, in a local community. He went to the market. He went to the synagogue. He was a carpenter. He had friends and family. He walked the streets um, with people, and people knew him and saw him. And so he was present locally. And so if we take Jesus as that example, and he ended up, dying on the cross for, mm. for our sins so, so we could be saved. And so that is the aspect that gospel-centered community engagement has that secular community engagement does not. Mm. And that's where we have, or we look at it through the lens of we want people to be healthy spiritually, mentally, physically, and have their relationships restored, restored their relationships restored to God, to each other. And so they can be healthy and get to know Jesus knowing that he is the one that can bring healing and restoration. Mm. And on a soul level, on a deep level, on an identity level. Mm. And I think secular community engagement cannot do that. Yeah. 
And that's not to bash secular community engagement, it's, but it's to show the beauty mm. of gospel-centered community yeah, engagement. Yeah, and, I've, I've, and Robin, to your point, I've even seen your, your, um, the way that you strategize community engagement. It's arm-in-arm arm with secular organizations because they have some resources and ends in which we don't have. Like, we want to be a, 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 a church that is welcoming and using other organizations. We've seen that in uh, other organizations using our space for some of their stuff. But... I love the holistic, redemptive approach to community engagement, that we're redeeming souls from death to life. We're redeeming uh, situations from, you know, not so uh, resource to resource. We're meeting immediate needs and long-term needs. Like, that's what the church is really here for. And so uh, I appreciate what you said about that. Now, sometimes in missional living, we hear maybe I'll give you the Christianese term, the mission trips we like to talk about. Maybe it's one week or... uh, we find, and we've heard this big in kind of Christian circles lately, is like this messianic Messiah complex where you come in and you fix one thing or you fix a need or you provided food for some people and then you leave. Like what is the difference in our approach to community engagement and missional living at Cultivate than it is to that kind of messianic Messiah complex-esque type thing? Yeah, I think living missionally locally as a local church prevents us from. I mean, we could we could if we if we don't do it right, we could still do it with a savior complex, but living locally helps us really see what the real needs and the real circumstances and the rhythms of our community are, mm. and we can then join along and be a part of it and and make ourselves a part of this because we are a part of this community. I am a part of the West Harlem community, so it concerns me. And so where people go, like mission trips are awesome. I had great mission trips, but I think they have to be safeguarded so they don't turn out to be this like, uh, so they don't, people that go there don't have the wrong expectations. If you If people go on a mission trip and think, I'm going to now go help, for example, in a third world country, poor people, because mm. I'm so good and, and I know it better. I think we're at danger of completely giving or doing something that is not needed. Very so good. where people, where, where we as Westerns always think, well, we need to go there to a third world country and we need to just do this, this, this and that. Well, that culture might have a complete different understanding of time, of resources and of mm. what they really need. And yeah. we are in danger of bringing something that they don't really need that ends up hurting that community a lot more than it could serve Mm. that community. So as Cultivate, as Christians in our local community, we want to be a part of what's going on and feel, be a part. So being a part means you're not going there to do and change and let me tell you how to do it, but you're just going there and it has a, there's an aspect of humility, of more listening than talking, of Mm. more learning than giving input. And then I think we can really learn and see what it is in our community that we as Christians could help. And that's when you end up, I believe the Lord will guide you Mm. or us to the right place where all of a sudden we can have a gospel impact and it's actually the right place to have that impact. And we're not just trying to solve a problem because we think we know it better. Mm, That's really good. I remember specifically when Jesus sees the crowd in the town in which he frequents it says that he saw the needs of the people and he had compassion for them, uh, that his heart literally yearned for their redemption, for their 
uh, spiritual, practical, all these things, these the needs of the people. And Jesus would begin uh, to heal some of these physical needs, but also to preach and teach for the spiritual needs. Like the church is this whole a holistic approach to discipleship, to community engagement. And so that's kind of where the, the, the two things in which you and I are leading here at Cultivate. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But as the, the, as the individual pastor over community engagement, Robin, how would you encourage those interested in community engagement at Cultivate, or just even if they're at another church in their local context, how would you encourage them to, what's the first step to getting involved in community engagement? I think you can just walk around the neighborhood and see what's out there. Like, know that you, and we'll talk to this later a little bit, know that you are incarnated or or indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that Mm -hmm. you are living missionally but now when it comes to community engagement i would say what is going on in your community and just go be a part of it if yep. there's a pantry going on just go help and serve if mm. there's a street cleaning project going on <clears throat> go there if there's a community fridge that is refilled say hey can i come alongside and help and bring a bag of groceries and so there's so many things i would say the danger is that we think about programs oh community engagement equals programs it's not like if if you just get into programs in your community, but you don't yourself live in your community, in your building, in the coffee shops, in the gym that you go to, or the grocery store that you always go to, if you don't live on mission there, then I would say that, that would be the first thing that I want to encourage you in, is to know that you live on mission as a Christian. You shine his light every day, 24-7, wherever you go, and not just when you go to be a part of a program that happens in your community. All right, Robin, what rhymes with Stock Marty and is going to be the pinnacle of Cultivate Summer? This is really hard. Um, all the options are just the one best thing. Just, we're just do the summer. one thing that you probably already know the answer to. <laughs> oh, okay. I, that must be Block Party. And then we, we invite Stock Marty. Yes, Stock Marty to the block party. Yes, church, we're going to be doing a huge block party for the West Harlem community coming up between July 18th and 20th, just weather dependent. But we will have our Love Week, our Cultivate Week. Basically, the culmination of Cultivate Summer is going to happen between July 18th and 20th. We're going to have a huge worship and spiritual preparation night. We're also going to have um, a truck outreach, and then we're going to do a huge block party. And we want you to be involved. This is all hands on deck. Uh, and we just cannot wait to love on our community. Uh, Robin, tell us just a quick thing about what's one aspect of the block party you're looking forward to. One aspect that you can look forward to is that we're going to have so many different things that are going to happen at that block party. We might be doing free haircuts. We um, are going to have music. We're going to have different ministries and partners of ours involved that are come and just participate and we're going to do it together and we're going to see how as we put our hands to the plow how something awesome happens and how he, people yep. come and get connected to our local church yep. this is how we practice where we love where we live we want you to love where you live and we want the people around us to love where they live july 18 to 20 see you then well rob we we, we tell people often you know if the first part of this podcast was what is community engagement from a gospel-centered perspective. The second part of this podcast, I want to be, well, how? Because oftentimes we say, go. You know, you, know you, you, you read the scripture in Matthew 28, 18, and it says, go into the world and, uh, you know, 
you know, make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and surely your God will be with you. And we hear the Great Commission often in our churches. And there's, if you go to church at any time, hopefully you're hearing that Matthew 28, 18 to 20 Great Commission, the, the real call of the believer. But the real question I have is, well, how? Sometimes I get home after hearing a great message or something, and think, okay, well, how do I practically actually put that into practice? You know, we tell people, go into the world and tell them about Christ and live a missional life every single day. But what does incarnational, and maybe even explain what incarnational living is, but what does it look like actually to go into the world and to engage your community for the gospel as an individual who is living on mission, who is a part of a local church but is called to go as well? Well, I think I need to understand who I am in Christ and who I am as a Christian. If I don't understand that and I don't understand what the gospel did for me, then how could I live Mm. that out? And so in Galatians 2.20, it says that Jesus, that the same, that the Holy Spirit lives in me, that Christ lives in me. And so if I walk this world knowing that I am indwelled by the Holy Spirit, I can live that incarnational living and I can live in this world and and do that and be that because I know what Jesus did for me and what that means for me that I am in Christ and he lives in me and so two passages that really for me revolutionized my thinking about living as Christians in a city which knew what better place to talk about city living than New York City um, or for our pur- the purpose of this conversation in a local community is um, the Jeremiah 29 chapter where the southern kingdom of Judah goes into exile to Babylon and the false prophets tell the people from Judah not to go into Babylon and then Jeremiah comes and corrects that and actually gives them the charge of what mm. they're supposed to do. I want to talk about that one specifically. Because I think this passage is key when we're talking about missional living and incarnational living. Because so often, and I think this is, can, can flow into the conversation of the Messiah complex in kind of sometimes American gospelism, is the idea that, oh my gosh, the world is going to the wayside, it's living in sin, and it's so bad, and I'm actually going to just hunker down with my family, lock the door so the outside can't get in, and we're going to recite scripture or something, right? There's this picture of what it means to be a Christian is to be not of the world and not in the world, where that's this negative connotation, which I just think is absolutely untrue. Mm. And I think this is the go-to scripture for that picture, where you said, listen to this context in in, in Jeremiah 29, uh, beginning... Even in verse 5, it says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce and build families and have their sons and daughters make families. And if you skip down to verse 7, it says, and seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Not only is God saying, build houses, plant gardens, you know, root your family here. He's saying, actually, the very source of your benefit, of your welfare, will be because the city in which you live, its welfare has grown. Its welfare has come up because of what God is doing. And listen to this. This is the last last verse here. For it is a lie 
that these false prophecies, these false prophets and diviners have been giving you these dreams of dreams of another thing. But it's actually that the Lord has called them into this location, in this time and place, in this city, to be gospel people on mission. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like, that is a completely different understanding than guard yourself from the world. Don't engage your neighbor because they might tell your kids something wrong or something. I don't, the gospel is not calling us to that. No. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So speak about that. What is this really getting at the heart of? Well, first thought that is very interesting is, you know how other people, it's maybe also a little bit of an American thing where they say, oh, New York City is like Babylon. Mm. So I find it very interesting that in New York City, we find the purpose of or the, the biblical f- framework of missional living actually from Jeremiah where he talks about going into Babylon. Right. So interesting here. Wow, yeah. Um, well, I, I would say we are we live as exiles. We are citizens of heaven. And mm. we're talking about exiles going into Babylon here where they were not from. And so we are not of this world, but we live in this world. And there's a couple of points that for me are very interesting. And like I said before, revolutionized my thinking and understanding biblically and theologically. It's he doesn't tell them to be just like Babylon. He does not say go there and adopt their gods and do everything they do. He also doesn't tell them to not go into Babylon. He tells them go in. And so we have this point that we are not supposed to separate, but we're also not supposed to assimilate. Mm. We're supposed to love it and serve it and pray for it and work for the benefit of the city so the city can prosper. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what we as Christians can do, also looking at that context. I mean, Babylon, many, many, many crazy things were going on there, and the people from Judah going into Babylon, I mean, they were probably afraid. They were probably like, these people are crazy. Yeah, What are they doing here? That's, That's not us. And so we, in the New York City context, without calling things out, as a Christian, very often I'm like, oh my gosh, there's really some crazy things going on mm-hmm. here. But Just ride the subway one time. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, ride the subway one time. Exactly. And yeah. so it gives me this beautiful picture of in a city, which we are in a city, how I can love it, pray for it, work for the good of the city, engage it without, I don't have the pressure to be just like it, but I also don't have the pressure that I cannot be a part of it. And so that's where we get the picture from that we can be a part of it, Mm. partake in what's going on in our neighborhood, join alongside, work for the good of it. If the Jews or the, the people from Judah went and were working for the good of the city, they had to link arms and work alongside some people from that city. How else would they have worked? Of course. And then it talks about building houses and gardens. Mm. So you don't build a house and a garden in two weeks. So it actually takes some commitment Mm. and some gardening and some cultivating and, and that's, that takes time and it might even take, Mm. it might even lead you to sweat and have some dirty hands. Yeah. And And there's a whole theological framework in which you're actually speaking to. Because, and I think if we miss this theologically, then we'll miss it practically. Absolutely. It's the fact that God actually wants the best for his people. Amen. God is not recluse. God is not, God is not getting away from his people. God loves his people so much that he sent his only son to redeem them back to himself, to be in right relationship with him. Don't you think that God loves the city? 
Don't you think that God wants to redeem the city? Don't you think that even God, through non-believing people, wants to re- be a redemptive God so, to see the best for all people? Yes, 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 he does. If we think that God is just getting away and hiding his face from the non-believing world, we're missing it. Yes. God actually wants the best for his people. And he uses us. Yes, that's, yes. that's exactly right. And, you know, there's, there's that notion that we're like, oh, this is an Old Testament passage. But then we look at Paul, and Paul that wrote so many books in the New Testament, and he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, it says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Mm. And if anybody could have just gone and preached the gospel and not shared himself and his life with people in, in relationships, it would have been Paul. Because he is like the guy when it comes to after the Gospels, it was really mostly Paul. And so Paul is talking about how he loved the people and how he shared not just the Gospel, but he also shared himself. So he lived in relationship, took part in these people's lives, and in that setting, shared and taught the Gospel and discipled people. And so I think that is a, a beautiful New Testament picture. And so the Jeremiah 29 passage... In that First Thessalonians 2.8, for me, really give me that framework of what I meant to do in the city. That's so good. And, and, and just talking about incarnational living, living on mission, Robin, what are some immediate steps you'd tell someone who wants to begin living on mission each day? Uh, maybe, you know, they, maybe they don't feel exactly... They don't know exactly what next steps to take um, f- to live a mission-focused life. What are some next steps you would encourage someone to begin to take? To live on mission? I would say be, just be a part of your community and see. You can, you can see. You, you already know things that, that need to be addressed or that mm. you would like to see changed, that where you would like to see God come and reconcile people in relationships. And I think you can... You could just build relationships and meet needs, mm. but not like back to our earlier conversation from a point where we want to meet needs because we're so much better, but where we just come alongside and, and build these authentic relationships and, and are a part of it. Like be a part of your neighborhood. Yeah. Learn the person's name that serves you coffee every day when you go to the coffee mm. shop. The guy on your block, there's a guy in my block He's always there. I literally, I will see him probably four times today. Knowing his name and stopping and asking him how he's doing is like the least I can do. But it's literally a part of me living on mission in my own community. It's very simple. It's It's not programmatic. It's not rocket science. It's just me being there and engaging people. All right, Rob, our first Sunday in Maisel's was incredible. Now, what was one thing that you loved most about Maisel's on Sunday? Man, I just love that we had two different spaces. That First of all, I love the fact that we just did a service yeah. at Maisel's mm. in our pre-launch phase. That's, that's pretty huge. And the fact that we could walk out of the room where we had service go downstairs and have a meal together in an open space. That's something we never really had. 
We were always kind of jam-packed, and so that was my favorite part. That's good. Speaking of measles and of Sunday services, we want to be very clear on what we have coming up. So you can go to CultivateNYC.com and head to the events page to see where and what we have going on and what we have planned through the summer. But you also can listen to the podcast uh, through the website. And you can be looking forward to directly coming up is May 22nd is this Sunday. It will be a social Sunday. It'll be here at the office, but then we're going to head to Morningside Park and have fun together. And then May 29th and the first Sunday of June will be at Maisel's for our uh, team Sunday and then our second Sunday in Maisel's. We cannot wait to serve you and love you and see you there, Maisel's. But this Sunday, the 22nd, we'll see you at the office. All right, Rob. So the third part of this podcast, to kind of a closing portion of it, I want to kind of get your insight on what does it look like to holistically do community engagement, connected to discipleship. I think you and I work hand in hand in the fact that discipleship and community engagement have to work in conjunction with one another. To be a living, breathing church we have to be calling people into discipleship and then calling them out into community engagement or vice versa. So what does that look like? A call to action, if you will, for our people, for people who are looking to get involved in the life of our church. What is, how do you begin to marry the two between discipleship and community engagement? I think if you look at how somebody gets connected to a local church, it really happens. You, you either get invited by somebody or you, you met somebody or you know somebody. You've somehow been engaged and, and you come and check it out or you are in a real relationship, friendship, kind of discipleship setting with somebody else that um, walks in the ways of Jesus and you come and you get connected to a local church. And so you either kind of come through the discipleship avenue or through the community engagement avenue and and a beautiful picture that somebody told me he said look at it like this the community engagement and discipleship they have to go together just like an airplane and an airplane has two wings and on one wing the engine is called discipleship and on the other wing the engine is community engagement and only if both of them fire run um, in sync, can the plane go forward straight? Yeah. If one runs and the other one doesn't, then the plane will just fly in a circle. Yeah. And so that's my understanding of community engagement and discipleship. People that get engaged in the community, be it them at some point in their lives having been to church and and kind of left the church, or if they've never heard about Jesus, or if they even have a relationship with God but maybe don't have a church that they attend, they need to be able to brought, to be brought into discipleship relationships. So their faith journey, their apprenticeship of walking in the ways of Jesus mm. can grow. And then in turn, they will go and be a part of engaging the right. community and becoming disciple makers themselves. That's good. As we call people to go, uh, I'm going to harken back a little bit to the Matthew 18 Great Commission call. Like, I know there's some people on the other side of this podcast saying, look, some of that community engagement or discipleship stuff, specifically the missional living, is a little bit more for the outgoing person, someone who's a little bit more talkative, likes relationships, um, millions of them, you know, that kind of person, life of the party person. And I really think that's a misconception of missional living. 
I think God has called us all into a, a missional living, incarnational living, and engaging the community for the gospel while doing it in a unique way for each individual person. We need people who are, you know, reading uh, at the coffee shop who had just had a conversation with someone else who's reading at the coffee shop. And it might be two what quote unquote introverts who are actually engaging in a relationship um, or someone who, you know, I'm not, a, I'm a, I'm a person who just runs. I go fast. I want to go, 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 go. Well, we need people who are slow, who stop and think and uh, are no, no person left behind types where we talked about uh, in the last podcast uh, with Dubois, who that, that's kind of his MO is making sure everybody's taken care of in an authentic relationship. So if, the last portion is someone might say, well, you know what? I don't really feel equipped to go because I don't understand biblically the depths of the gospel. What if someone asks me a question that I do not know? I, I will say one thing is that one of the best things you can say is, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. But also, like, if you're genuinely interested in the biblical depth and biblical literacy and understanding the gospel, like, I would start with, with Thursday nights at our Bible study, but also just, like, if you want to do life-on-life discipleship, man, reach out to Robin or I. Like the front line of community engagement begins with us going for the gospel. If we know the gospel, if we can, you know, give a, a testament in season and out of season um, for, our, for, for the gospel message and be able to um, teach and uh, discern from, from, from the biblical standpoint. Like if, you, if you're interested in that, please get involved in the life of our church. But... But it does not mean you have to have all the answers, know all the things about the Bible for you to go on mission. Speak a little bit about those misconceptions. I'm sure you've ran into a lot of those. Yeah, I mean, I've had conversation on the street where I got annihilated as a Christian. I had, no, I had nothing to say. And if it would have been down to that argument, I'd have been like, yeah, I really suck and you're right. Mm-hmm. And the guy was right in whatever he knew, but I just had no chance. And so if I only look at missional living through the lens of can I win an argument, which is honestly my default. Can I win that argument? Do I have an answer? Do I know the right Bible verse? That's actually the wrong approach mm. because there's always going to be somebody that knows more, have lived, has lived more lives or has read more books or has a better brain. There's plenty of people with way better brains than mm-hmm. mine. I will never, then I will never have a chance if I look at it as an argument, but it's not that. There's mm. a couple of baseline things that as Christians we all have that I think if you didn't know them then take that from this podcast and walk away knowing them and I think that is literally the foundation and and you're good to go Mm. I would say know that well Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins in your place that's the gospel he rose again and he's getting a place ready for us in heaven right if you know that, your life has been changed. Yeah. Like you are not the same. You are saved. You are a Christian indwelt by the Holy Spirit, number one. Number two, the same grace that you need is the same grace that the person you're talking to needs. So we're actually, that's a shared experience right yeah. there. Like I will never talk to somebody and I'm never better than them because I daily need the grace mm. of God. And that person actually needs that grace too. And so, and then... Know that as intimidating as it sounds, the moment you have a relationship with somebody and there's a friendship, it becomes increasingly easier to just, the way you share your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts, like with my friends, I'm cool. I I can disagree with them and say, hey, I don't see it that way. Mm. I don't like NASCAR. I like Formula One. Careful, careful. 
Like I and so, but because Luke and I have a relationship, I can say that like that. Yeah. And why? And I, and that's not even like a spiritual thing. But if the Holy Spirit lives in the side of us, and the Bible tells us that it's actually the Holy Spirit that prompts people mm. to respond. It's not me. There's nothing, no good argument that could make me save somebody else. Yeah. So there's no pressure on my end. I can just share. And, and one thing that really helps is relationships. So I encourage you to get into relationships with people. Build. Or look in the relationships you already have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look at the relationships you already have, but there's probably that person that serves you coffee every day mm. that you have no idea what his name is or mm. her name is, and that person served you coffee for two years already. Mm. That's probably, a th you know, I should probably know his or her name. Yeah, that's good. And then through these relationships that you already have, just know that you can share the love of God, and, and your lifestyle can be the best apologetics. The mm. way you love people, the way you treat people, the way you forgive, the way you listen and care speaks probably just as loud to your friends that really know you. And then I think you can, at some point, the conversation will go to the point about what do you believe, and, yeah. and you can share it and then be yeah. bold. Yeah. And know that it's not on you. It's on the Holy Spirit. Mm. And just speaking of like, holistically our entire community engagement strategy at cultivate nyc and like even touching the things in which you just said i want you to dream a minute like just dream for a second robin like if you could articulate or think about one thing that you want cultivate nyc's community engagement or missional living to be known for what would that be if i would if i dream which i actually do all the time I think of what this could be. Mm. I dream of a multi-ethnic, socioeconomically diverse church where people that have come from nothing or from any place, be it immigrants. I'm, Jess and I, my wife and I, we're, we're immigrants. We immigrated to this country. Immigrants from all over the place or people that were born in America and have the highest degree of education can sit in the same room because the gospel gives them a place. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my dream, to have a socioeconomically diverse, multi-ethnic, beautiful church that where everybody can come and everybody can be a part of, that mm. cares for the community, that lives in the community, where people make these connections with each other, where, where we can raise our children together as Christians in that community and mm. hang out with each other at the park and go to the coffee shops together, where people in our church get to know other Christians and share lives, like in Acts 2, the early church, mm. where they can share lives and resources with each other and be a part of each other's lives, where that will be attractive like it was in Acts 2. Yeah that people would see us as a church, be a church that lives missional-minded and see how we treat our families and love our families and love our neighbors. And so that, that would kind of be my dream. Yeah, church, we cannot afford to be a church that just hones in and uses its own resources for itself. We cannot be a church that calls people to just grow individually. We have to be a church that is inviting authentic relationships, gospel-centered engagement, humility, a church that's known for its love and grace to the community in which it lives for, 
we have to be a church that is in a community for a community. And we want you to be a part of that. We want to be the examples of that on staff, but also just like arm in arm, we are standing firm for the gospel while we're caring for the widow, while we're caring for the homeless, while we're caring for the person who's the investment banker and has more money than they know what to do with. Everywhere in between, all the time, forever, loving people from a gospel-centered standpoint. That's what we want to be known for. And so kind of just to close this podcast, Robin, thank you for being on this and giving us kind of the insight to community engagement. And I hope that if you're listening to this, this is exciting for you because this will, this, we want this to be the heartbeat, the DNA of our church. Uh, Just give us kind of a a last minute takeaway benediction. What, what's the culmination? What's the, you know, the tie the bow of this podcast for our people? Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, well, you live in this city or wherever you live. If you're not a part of, if you're like Harlem and Cultivate is really not my thing, but you're listening to this podcast, or if you are a part of Cultivate NYC, know that you live in a local setting and God has placed you there. And as a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Go to Galatians 2.20. Um you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives, the Spirit of Jesus lives on the inside of you. And that makes you be the person that can build relationships, love your neighbor, be a part of your community, work for your community to prosper, pray for your community. So I would say pray for your community, engage your community, love your community, and do that. Before you think about getting into programs or activities do that pray for the lord to break your heart for what breaks his in your community and and engage it love it get to know people and know that the holy spirit inside of you um, can shine his light through you and be a testimony to jesus 